Seamus, The Case of the Thieves and the Brigands, Part 15. Thieves and Brigands is based on the book The Great Taxicab Robbery by James H. Collins. I know Wings is being held in one of these storage buildings. Sending me to the roofing company was a trap. I think it's more of an invite. I didn't RSVP. I squeezed through a hole in the chain link fence. Where are the cars? I head towards the back of the lot. The units get bigger and bigger. Finally, there was a massive building with four garage doors at the very end. They were big enough to hold a car or two. I can see one unit with a soft glow of light peeking around the third garage door. Thanks for leaving the light on, boys. There's a single door next to each huge one. My shoes crunch loudly on the gravel despite my best efforts. Finally, I crouch behind a trash can next to the door. Artie walks out, followed by a skinny kid with slick back hair. Guy looks like he's on his way to an audition for West Side Story. They're both wearing their roofer's jumpsuits. They stop just shy of my hiding spot. I don't know about all this, Artie. I mean, boosting cars is one thing, but kidnapping? Beating up old people? It's a bit much for me. You've always been soft. I'm not soft. This deal is bad. I mean, who are these people? Ghost? CIA? The Illuminati? (laughs) Illuminati? You watch too much TV. Dover's in over his head and he's sinking and he'll take us with him. You questioning the boss, Pete? You turning on us? No, of course not. You know I ain't no rat, right? I know you better not be. Do your job. Keep your mouth shut and do what the boss says. Understand? Sure, man, no problem. I was just thinking out loud is all. That was your first mistake. Thinking. Ain't your job to think. Now go see if the boss needs anything. Your thinking is getting on my nerves. Right. I only have one shot at this. Artemis finally turns his back to the trash can where I was hiding. Quick as I can, I stand up, take two steps, and hit him in the neck with the trank. <sighs> he pulls the dart from his neck and looks at it with amazement. Huh? I start to reload. His eyes roll to the back of his head, and he hits the ground with a soft moan. <sighs> I take a quick look around for the kid before I move Artie. This isn't business, Artie. That was personal. <laughs> no time for a victory dance. I grab his ankles and drag the mountain of meat around the side of the building. No easy feat. Man, you're a heavy son of a... I truss him up like a Christmas turkey and prop the big guy against the wall. His eyes fluttered a moment, then sprang open. He starts to yell something, but the trank still affects him. I didn't wait to find out what he wanted. I loaded him up with the trank again. Night, night, Artie. I get back to the door. I hear someone coming and duck behind the trash can again. Before I can decide what to do next, a black limousine pulls up in front of the building. A tall, thin man with stark blonde hair, glasses, and an expensive suit complete with a silk tie gets out of the car with a commanding air. The guy looked like an accountant, but there was something sinister about him. A black laptop case hung from his left hand. Ten minutes, then circle back around. This won't take long. The accountant closed the door. The limo pulled away. I didn't breathe as he passed me to open the door. 
He stepped through. Lucky for me, it was the kind that closed slowly. Two heartbeats after the accountant walked through, I slipped through the door. The door made a soft snick behind me as I scurried around the car's front end. The place smelled like antifreeze oil and cut metal. A chop shop. Dover was a regular entrepreneur. Oh, um, uh, Mr... Names, Mr. Dover. Names. Um, right. You, you got here fast. We have an appointment? Right, right. <laughs> oh, well, uh, time flies, right? Do you have somewhere clean I can set up? Oh, sure, sure, of course. Oh, how about right here? I crept along the side of the car to see around the back bumper. Craig Dover directs the accountant to a card table with a single folding chair. I look at the car for a moment. Blue sedan. They'd already started to chop it, but I just found the getaway car. I can see wings tied to a chair a few yards behind Dover. Considering he'd already been beaten up once this week, he didn't look any the worse for wear. Pete stands on one side of him, fidgeting. The USB, please. Parker holds out his thin, pale hand to Dover. Uh, yeah, yeah, about that, um... It'll be here soon. The accountant snapped his hand closed. The tension is palpable. This guy was dangerous. Artie was dangerous because he could beat you to a pulp and still sleep like a baby. This accountant guy was a whole other animal. And when, Mr. Dover, do you expect delivery? Uh, Soon. Soon. (laughs) That's why we've got this guy. Dover pointed at Wings. Hey, I don't have anything to do with this, okay? I'm a bum. I'm just a bum who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. These guys already beat me up once. Then when I get a place to stay, after getting out of the hospital, they kidnap me. Come on. Help me out, will you? I understand your situation, sir. Really, I do. However, this is business. It's nothing personal. Yeah, I get that. I have other appointments, Mr. Dover. If you cannot deliver the product in the next mm, eight minutes, our contract will be null and void. Dover hesitated. I've never been one for dramatics, but you can't beat a good entrance. I stood up and walked around the car. Guess that's my cue. Something is satisfying about making grown men nearly jump out of their skin. I thought Wings would have a heart attack there for a moment. The accountant didn't even flinch. Dover and his boys pulled guns out of their pockets. I put my hands up. The accountant turned his head toward me. The light reflected off his glasses, and I couldn't see his eyes. A smile quirked at the corner of his mouth. He knew I'd been there the whole time. Who is this guy? Easy, fellas. Business, right? Just business. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Just business. Thank you. Now, do you have my USB? It's in my shirt pocket. I'm going to reach for it. You boys don't get nervous on me. Slow and steady, I pulled the USB drive the security boss gave me. I hold it up between two fingers to show them. Dover takes a step towards. Hold it, hold it. Give and take, Mr. Dover. Untie the old man first. Old man? Shut up. Dover glanced over at the accountant, who gave a quick nod, and then pointed to his watch. Do it. 
Pete unties Wings and then walks him toward me. I had to time this right. I beckoned them closer until Wings was within reach. I flicked the USB drive over Dover's shoulder. All eyes followed its flight, which was what I was hoping for. I grab Wings by the front of his baggy T-shirt and drag him past me, shoving him towards the door, hope he gets the hint. I grab my revolver from under my jacket with my other hand as I turn to follow Wings. I got a few steps before the first bullet whined past my ear. I grabbed Wings again and shoved him behind the car. Bullets ricocheted off of metal, sending sparks. I looked around the bumper to see the accountant has flipped the table over, crouching behind it. He plugs the USB into his laptop. Wings, it's about to hit the fan. Shoot him! Pete has worked his way around to our side of the car. I fired one shot. I hit Pete in the right thigh just above the knee. He crumpled with a yelp. I catch sight of the accountant whose face is dark with rage. I guess the thumb drive wasn't what he was expecting. He glances up, catches my eye, smiles slightly, and nods. I wait for a gap in the gunfire and then shoot over the car's hood. My second shot missed, but the third caught Dover in the left shoulder. He goes down. Where's the accountant? I couldn't see the accountant anywhere. Go! Go! Wings makes a break for the door, and I'm hot on his heels. I pull the fire alarm, and water bursts from the sprinklers overhead as the bell screams. I sprint across the lot faster than I've run in years, and I was all but carrying Wings. Good thing he's light. Crossing to the hole in the fence we climb through, we jump into my car. I can hear the sirens of my backup on their way. Let's get out of here. Wings and I sit at the porter call bar, looking half drowned. You two are the ugliest pair of bookends I've ever seen. Thanks, Mike. I feel pretty. Can I get that envelope back? Sure. It's in the safe. I'll grab it for you. Thanks. Oh, and uh, Mike? Yeah? We've been here since 7 o'clock? Right. Mike stares at me for a moment, thinking. No, Hunter. No, no, no. That's not right. If I pushed him too far, was Mike done with my crap? It was closer to 6.45. That's what the timestamp on the liquor order I made earlier says. I finished that and you two walked in. You sat here, scared off all my customers with your ugly mugs. That's why it was slow. I blame you. We watched the game. Home lost by three. Devastating, right? Mike smiled at me and I relaxed. <sighs> Thanks, Mike. No problem. Oh, oh, uh, then you ordered dinner. Both of you. And drinks. Plus, you tipped your server real nice. This is a business, not a charity. Mike slid two plastic-coated menus at Wings and me, then walked off to yell at one of his employees. I wouldn't want to work for him, but I was glad Mike was my friend. What's good? Everything, Wings. Everything's good. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you like this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. This has been Seamus, the case of the Thieves and Brigands, Part 15, Thieves and Brigands. It is based on the book by James H. Collins, The Great Taxicab Robbery. Hunter James was played by Sheldon Bird. Craig Drover was played by Nick Yamateo. Artemis Crowley was played by Dave Doyen. Pete was played by Thomas Thompson. Wings was played by Michael Rowe. This episode of Seamus was written by Raven Wisdom, 
and directed by Gene Phillips. Sound design for Seamus is provided by OpenMicRecordingStudio.com. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.